Good evening and welcome to the Spirit Life Bible Study. My name is Jonathan. Our reader is Cara tonight, and our topic is I'm Not Leaving. Uh, this, at least in North America, is a time of year when there are graduations and departures of various different kinds or people move along. You know, it just seems to be a, a particular time of leaving and that sort of thing. And uh, so it got me thinking about the places in Scripture where we plead with the Lord, you know, like, don't leave. And every so often the Lord makes these beautiful promises, but I will not leave you nor forsake you, which is abbreviated in my contracted version as I'm not leaving, says the Lord. You know, I'm not leaving. I, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Uh, occasionally there's a little bit of an undercurrent where he says, I won't leave you until such and such a time. Uh, that's a little unsettling. Uh, and there are some other ones that say, well, I'm going to go away and then I'm going to come back. But anyway, we'll look at this issue of the Lord uh, leaving and what are those conditions like. If you'd like to join us on that journey, let's open with a prayer. Shall we, good friends? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you are the one God of heaven and earth, the Word made flesh. We pray for your presence among us this evening, Lord. We thank you for joining us. We explore the pages of your Word. What is it, Lord? Do you really abandon us? And under what circumstances, what can we do about that? That's what we'd like to know. Amen. Sending out love to all of those online, getting the video and the audio and the podcast and everything, sending you love. So, so nice to be with you all. And uh, so let's jump in and look at some passages that relate to this, because as I thought about it, it's, it's kind of a theme in Scripture. Uh, let's go to the Genesis, the very left of your Bible, Genesis 28. Um... <coughs> This is Jacob's ladder, and you may remember the story that Jacob is out in the wilderness, and he has a dream, and he sees this ladder set up, and then the Lord says certain things to him. This is in Genesis 28, starting at verse 13. All right. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then here's this special verse here. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. Yes, so that's the kind of reassuring message that we're hoping to hear from the Lord. He's, he's saying to Jacob, I'm with you everywhere you go. I will go. I'm not leaving. And then he spells it out at the end of the verse. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Oh, well, wait a minute. That's not... I sort of wanted a blanket thing, not a, uh, I, I'm going to make all the promise I made to you true, so I won't leave you until I've done all that. And then it's kind of left up in the air. <laughs> well, what, what about the other part? 
let's look at Deuteronomy 31. So turn to the right and you go through, you know, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and get to Deuteronomy. And we'll go to chapter 31 there. A lot of flipping pages tonight. Uh, Moses, uh, the Lord, this is his message. Uh, look at verses 6 to 8 there. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Yes, there it is. God says, I'm not leaving. Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid because I'm with you. I'm not leaving. Go on. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. Uh -huh. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Okay, so that doesn't have a sort of end date on it. It's just, he will not leave you. He won't forsake you. So this was the message to Moses. This was the message to Joshua. Okay, now, uh, speaking of which, turn to the right and go to Joshua chapter 1. It comes up very quickly there. And uh, this is the Lord's message to Moses. This really, I just love this passage. Look at 1 verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. I'm sorry, it's not a message to Moses. It's a message to Joshua after Moses died. Go on. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. That's right. So the Lord is not, I'm not leaving. You know, the Lord says to Joshua, I'm not leaving. I'm, I'm with you 100%. Okay, uh, turn to the right and let's go through Judges and First and Second Samuels. Get to First Kings. I want to go to chapter 8, which is that beautiful dedication of the temple. And uh, this is a sort of prayer that they say. During this dedication, look at verses 57 and 58 there. 1 Kings 8, 57 and 58. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to himself, to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, which he commanded our fathers. Yes, I like the emphasis there that the Lord not leave so that he can sort of incline our hearts to him. So that he can put in our hearts to follow him, do the things that need to be done. And so that's a kind of a prayer. And it's interesting how often it's leave and forsake, isn't it? It's the two things. Don't, don't leave us, don't forsake us. Um, so you can see why that passage would come to mind in this connection. Look at Psalm 22. So go to the middle of your Bible. And Psalm 22 is a very powerful psalm. You may be familiar with this first verse here. Uh, this is kind of the other side of the coin or whatever you'd say. This is the feeling that God has abandoned you. So look at that first verse there. My this is God. what David says. 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Yes, that's right. And this is how you know you've been forsaken is that you're not getting the help that you need. At least you think you're not getting it. So it's a terrible feeling to think, oh, God, abandon me. You know, why have you, and, and why would you do that? You know, why would you do it? Why would you leave? Very poignant. Uh, look at Psalm 27. Just close by there. This is interesting, verses 9 and 10 there. Oh, let's, let's look at verse, uh, I don't know, start back at 7 or something. <clears throat> Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face. So the Lord says, seek my face. My heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. There's a nice reciprocal feeling in there, isn't it? That the Lord said, seek my face. And my heart said, yes, I will. Go on. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. And then listen to this little detail at the end here. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Yeah. Even if your own mom and dad, you know, abandon you or something, then the Lord will, will take care of you, you know. Uh, so don't leave me. Don't forsake me, O God of my salvation. Just so you see the theme here. Uh, look at Isaiah 49, another beautiful passage. Uh, so go to the right, and Isaiah is the next sort of major thing you bump into there. And chapter 49, let's start at uh, verse 13 there. Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out in singing, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people mm. and will have mercy on his afflicted. But what does Zion say? But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. Ah, you see, Zion is feeling like, you know, and so it's saying, hey, sing, be happy. The Lord has comforted his people. But Zion is saying, no. The, the Lord hasn't taken care of me. I don't feel comforted. He forsook me. He's forgotten me. And this is what the Lord responds. Can a woman forget her nursing child mm. and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. Even somebody like that. If my father and my mother abandon me, I've, at least I've still got you, Lord, kind of thing. You know, even they may forget uh, which would be an extraordinary situation, but it could happen. But I will not forget you. Verse 16. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Yes, I've written, you're, you're written, I'm not leaving. You, you're written right into the palm of my hand right here. Uh, very, very beautiful passage. Turn to the right and let's go to Jeremiah chapter 14. Verse 9, let's see. Um, yeah, let's just read 14, verse 9.
Why should you be like a man, astonished, like a mighty one who cannot save? Am I in the right place? Yes. Yet you, O Lord, are in our midst, and we are called by your name. Do not leave us. Yes, don't, don't leave us. You know, so basic, isn't it? Don't leave us. We're not going to make it without you. Lord, you are in the midst of us. We're called by your name. Don't, don't leave us, you know. We're hoping for that reassurance for the Lord that would say, I'm not leaving. And we've read a number of passages like that already where it says, I, I won't. We say, don't leave. And the Lord says, I won't. I'm, I'm not leaving. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Uh, actually, let's skip now into the New Testament. Go to Matthew uh, chapter 27. And this is going straight to the crucifixion. And 27, verse 46. And what does Jesus say on the cross? And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a, lo- with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yes, he quotes Psalm 22, <laughs> verse 1. So, David may have said it originally, but Jesus also says, you know, he quotes it at that moment of that feeling that God has abandoned even him. You know, why have you forsaken me? And that why, it really gets you, doesn't it? Like, it's not just you have forsaken me, but it's like, why, why would you do that? You know, I thought something good was happening. Why, why would you leave like that? Um, let's go to Mark (laughs) chapter six. Now, um, the Lord has an interesting way, you know, for somebody who's an embodiment of divine love. He has an interesting way of dealing with us sometimes. Look at Mark six. What's going on here? There's just been the feeding of the 5,000. And uh, let's pick up at verse 47. He departed into a mountain to pray in verse 46. Um, Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Yes, the disciples headed off to the other side, and so they they were going across. And we talked about sailing a few weeks ago, didn't we, and the difficulties that can come up there. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Mm. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But listen to this detail. And would have passed them by. (laughs) So he walks out there to see them, but it's like, you know, (laughs) sorry, he's just going to cruise right on past. Well, isn't that also like... Lord, you know, I mean, you know, we're struggling here, and the Lord looks like he would just keep on going, you know, (laughs) just walk out there in the middle of the night, and everything just going to keep going. Uh, (laughs) uh, Look at Luke, turn to the right to Luke, because there's a similar kind of thing in Luke 24, isn't there? A little bit different, but in Luke 24, this is after the crucifixion, this is the road to Emmaus, and uh, they're walking along, and look at verse uh, 28 and 29. 
Then they drew, oh, sorry. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And you may remember this detail that there were two people walking along with the Lord. He was explaining the scriptures to them and why the crucifixion needed to happen. They didn't recognize him. They didn't know who he was. And what does he do? He indicated that he would have gone farther. <laughs> Same deal, right? Nice to be with you. See you later. He's going to keep going. <laughs> and what do they do? But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Yes. So he is acting, you know, so they don't leave. You know, he's acting like he's leaving. But they say, no, 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 stay. You know, please, please stay with us. And so he stays with them. But the very next thing that happens is as they're sitting there eating the bread, he breaks the bread. He, he blesses it. He gives it to them. Their eyes are opened and they recognize him. And what does he do? And he vanished from their sight. In verse 31. Yeah, he just, wait a minute. What happened to that I'm not leaving thing? <laughs> you know? As soon as they recognize him, he leaves. He, he disappears. And he looked as though he was just going to keep walking. Okay, see you. You know, <laughs> no, 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 no. Stay here, stay here. Um, look at John. Turn to the right to John. Let's go to John chapter 4. Here's another story of people asking the Lord to stay. Uh, this was when he talked to the Samaritan woman and told her her whole life story, basically. You know, and she was really amazed and when everybody told it, everybody in town that he told her her whole life story. And so how did they react? John 4, verse uh, 40. They're coming to Jesus. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. Okay, so they, you know, please, please stay, same kind of thing, please stay with us. And he stayed for two days, which considering Jesus' time on earth, you know, but he still left after the, you know, it's like, well, what, what happened to never leave, never forsake, or, you know, two days, and then, whoops, then, then he's going to leave. So what is going on with that story? Look at John 14. Uh... where the Lord says in verse 18, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Yes, that's right. And, uh, and then he says, uh, let's read that next verse. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. That's right. And along the same lines, look at John 16, verse 16. He says something quite similar there to the disciples. A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Now, he's been with them for, for three years, and all of a sudden he's talking about he's leaving, but he's coming back again. This confused them. Go on. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us? A little while that you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me. And because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he says? A little while. We do not know what he is saying. I like the repetition in the text because it really makes you think they're just, What? What? And they're saying it again and again to each other. What, what is he talking about? 
Go on. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Mm. <laughs> Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Mm. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again. I will see you again. So uh, I, I may be leaving temporarily, but not permanently. You, you will see me again. And what will happen then? And your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. Yes, your heart will rejoice. Interesting little references tonight to the heart, aren't there? Mm, and one more, let's go to Hebrews. Not that we're done with all this yet, but uh, uh, Hebrews is about halfway back to the book of Revelation. I want to go to the end of it, to chapter 13. Uh, look at verse 5 here. Power cord. Oh, power cord. I don't, oh. ha I don't have a power cord. I've got a power cord. Hold on. Technical difficulties. There you go. You want to pass that down? What's that? There you go. How are we doing? How's the, we, we've got plenty of power, right? There we go. Great. Okay. Okay. Sorry. 13 verse 5. 13 verse 12. Therefore, Jesus also... Hebrews 13 verse 5. Hebrews 13 verse 5. I thought you said 12. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Mm. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said... I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, that's the first time we've read never, isn't it, tonight? I think that was the first. We've had a lot of nots, but I think that was the first never. I will never leave you or forsake you. So it's kind of interesting what it says about that, that don't be covetous. It's like there's a sort of greed that comes over us if we feel a little desperate and we feel like we're not sure if the Lord's going to be there for us or not. Mm. So we have to be greedy and we have to make, you know, or something. But it says, don't, you know, don't, don't let your, uh, let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with what you've got. Because the Lord said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The implication being, the Lord will always take care of you. Everything's fine. He's never going to leave. Okay. Now, uh, but dear reader... Yes. What does it say down there in verse 8? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, so Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. So, dear reader, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you think it would be possible for Jesus to leave us? If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever... Would it be possible for him to even move one inch to the left or the right? Not according to verse 5. 
Yes, that's right. Good answer. Dear, dear, I put you on the spot. That was a good answer. Isn't this the wrong way to think? You know, we're agonizing about, well, will the Lord leave us? Will the Lord... Wait, wait a minute. The Lord is the same thing all the time. There's no question of leaving on His part. There's no issue. He's exactly the same. It's like saying, oh, I don't know if gravity's going to abandon me today or something, you know. Uh, gravity's not going anywhere, you know. We might do something dumb with it, but, but it is right there. It's going nowhere. So there's another thread through Scripture. If you can stand it, friends, I want to take you through another. It's not quite as long, but I want to take you through another series of passages where the shoe is kind of on the other foot, so to speak. It's, it's more about... And we'll read some stories that don't even overtly have the Lord in them. There'll just be some sort of key figure and then a secondary figure. And the issue is not whether the key figure is leaving or not. It's whether the secondary figure who corresponds to us. Like the issue is not, is the Lord leaving? The issue is, are we leaving the Lord? You know, that's really, because we're very capable of doing that. I mean, we're capable of turning our attention away and so on. Let's look at a few passages like that. Let's go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Let's go to Numbers chapter 10. Now, this is not a story about the Lord. This is a story about Moses. And uh, and he's talking to, of course, uh, Hobab, as you might imagine. And uh, Numbers 10, <laughs> verse 29. <laughs> 29. Now Moses... <laughs> Sorry, I've ruined it for you. Yes, you're right. <laughs> now Moses said to Hobab, the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us, and we will treat you well, for the Lord has promised good things to Israel. Oh, so you see what he's saying? So Moses is saying to this other person, hey, come with us. We're going to the Holy Land. And what does he say? He said to him, I will not go, but I will depart to my own land and to my relatives. I'm not going. So Moses says, come with us to the Holy Land. He says, I'm not going. And what does Moses say to him? So Moses said, Please do not leave, inasmuch as you know how we are to camp in the wilderness, and you can be our eyes. Yes, please don't leave. The Moses, who corresponds to the Word, who corresponds to the Lord and everything, is saying to this other person, Moses is saying, you please don't leave. See what I mean? The shoes on the other foot? Uh, let's see if this becomes clear with some other examples here. Oh, Joshua 24. So turn to the right, go through Deuteronomy and get to Joshua. Joshua 24. Mm. Let's read 14 to 16 there. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river 
or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And what did the people answer? So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. You see, it's not about the Lord forsaking us. It's about us forsaking the Lord. And they're saying, far be it, or in the glorious language of the old King James, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. So the, the shoe's on the other foot. Uh, look at this beautiful passage. So go through Joshua and Judges and you get to Ruth. It's a small, if you blink and you miss it, you go to Ruth chapter 1. There's Naomi and there's Ruth. And uh, let's pick up at verse um, 14. I'd love to tell you the whole backstory here and everything, but let's just jump in here. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. She clung to her. Okay, go on. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. This is kind of the opposite of the Moses and Hobab story where he's saying, you know, why don't you just leave? You know, go back with your, your sister-in-law. And what does Ruth say? But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. Isn't that a great phrase? Entreat <laughs> me not to leave you. <laughs> you know, don't ask me. Please don't beg me to leave you. Or to turn back from following after you. Mm, here's this beautiful statement. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Go on. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Go on. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Now, uh, if we picture this as an interaction between us and the Lord, isn't that a nice thing for us to say to the Lord? You know, where you go, I'm going. Where you stay, I'm going to stay. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. When you die, I'll die. I'll be buried. You know, I am not leaving you. I'm not leaving. It's not the Lord saying, I'm not leaving. It's us saying, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Uh, okay, here's another one. Turn to the right and you immediately get into 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 12. Here's an admission again of how things really work. 12 verse 10. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and Ashtoreths. But now deliver us from the land of your enemies and we will serve you. Yes, we've sinned. We've, and how do we forsake the Lord? We went after other gods. It's not that the Lord forsook us. He said, I'll never, you know, I'll never leave you or forsake you. We forsook him. That's actually the way around uh, that, that this goes. Now, another beautiful story along these lines. 
Again, it's sort of in a metaphor, but if you go to the right and go to 2 Kings chapter 2, 2 Kings chapter 2, which verse do you think we should read, dear reader, in 2, two. Kings 2? Do you think we should two. read verse, verse two, 2 in 2 yes, Kings 2? Yes. Right. Okay, let's do that. All right. And what, we can start at verse 1, but 2 okay. will be especially good. <laughs> okay. And probably 4 and 6 will be good too. Let's see. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Okay, Elijah was the prophet, the man of God, very mighty person who'd done all these miracles. And Elisha was, I don't know, for lack of a better word, sort of the understudy or something. He was a young, young up-and-coming prophet. And uh, so Elijah's about to be taken up into heaven in a whirlwind, meaning that he's dying. And uh, look at verse 2. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. Mm. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. I'm not leaving. That's what he said. Elijah represents the Lord. Elisha represents us in that situation. You know, he said, Why don't you just stay? You know, you're fine. Why don't you say, I'm not leaving. I am not leaving. Go on. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. <laughs> a, don't you know that he's going to die today and be taken away from you? I know that. Be quiet. And look at verse 4. See, 2, 2 Kings 2, 2 Kings 2, 4. Okay. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. And Elisha said, you know what? I mean, it's true. It's kind of a distance in Jericho, so I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably just stay here. What did he say? But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Okay. And then what do you think happens in verse 5? Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. <laughs> and verse 6, 2, 2, 2, 2, 4, 2, 4, 2, 6. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. The two of them went on. Great picture. Huh? Just, I'm not leaving. He said, look, I'm dying. Why don't you get on with your life or something like that? I'm not leaving. Same thing, you know, as with the story of Ruth. You know, I'm, I'm not leaving. Where you go, I will go. Look at chapter 4 in that same book. This mother... Who, whose son became ill, uh, goes to see the prophet. And let's just read verse 30 there. You'll recognize a certain theme here. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. Yeah, she's, I'm, not, I'm not leaving. She's not leaving for any reason. So again, it, this time all these stories are like it's Moses or Elijah, the great prophet, what are these people who correspond to the Lord and the Word, and, and it's the other people who are saying, I'm not leaving. 
Okay, let's look at the Psalms. Go to the middle of your Bible, Psalm 61. I get an inordinate amount of pleasure out of this. Can't explain it to you or myself. Um, let's see, is this what we want? Psalm 61, verse 7. Let's have a look at that. He shall abide before God forever. Mm. Oh, prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Yes, just abiding before God forever. We, God is where God is. It's up to us not to abandon and leave and forsake him, but to abide where he is forever. Uh, turn to the right and go to Isaiah. Toward the end, go to Isaiah 59. Yeah, this is an important truth right here, isn't it? 59 verses 1 and 2. Mm. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. I love that so much. Go on. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Now, I think that's very crystal clear. Where is this forsaking? Where is this appearance of forsaking and abandonment and everything come from with the Lord? Oh, his hand is not shortened that he cannot say. It's not like, oh, no, I was trying. It's like the sun in the sky saying, I was trying to shine, but I just couldn't do it today you know no it's all cloudy down here it's on our end of it our iniquities have separated us from god and our sins have hidden his face you know so we can't see him uh, uh, it, it's on our end it's not about him leaving it's about us leaving let's go to john in the new testament flip over a few books there Go to John chapter 6. Oh, this is wonderful. In John 6, there's really quite a difficult situation, which is that Jesus says something that just drives everybody away. Uh, in brief, he says 6 verse 56. 6 verse 56. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. And I in him. Now, wait a minute. This is exactly what we're talking about tonight. This is the formula for how we could be in him. He could be in us. We never leave each other. We never forsake each other. This is so great. What could go wrong? Well, that little thing he said about eating his flesh and his blood seemed to bother people for some reason. And, uh, and they left. Look at uh, verse 66 just below there. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Yeah. See, he said something. They couldn't deal with it. I can't, I can't deal with it. I don't know what you're teaching. I'm, I'm out of here. And then look at this sort of poignant. Doesn't this get you? Look at verse 67. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? Yeah. Are you going to leave me? To the twelve, are you going to leave and what does Peter say? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Yes, it, it's quite beautiful. I feel his answer has a little bit of 
we're stuck with it, unfortunately. <laughs> Nobody else has the words of eternal life. So if there was a competitor, we might happily think about going somewhere else. Unfortunately, you're the only game in town, so uh, you know, I guess we can't leave. You know, who, where, would, where would we go? But what's beautiful about it is that it does show what they love, what they're seeking from the Lord, the words of eternal life. You know, to whom shall we go? You've, you've got the words of eternal life. Uh, so isn't that poignant? It's much more about the, it's not, oh Lord, are you going to leave us and forsake us? The Lord is saying to the followers, are you too? Are you going to leave too? All these people left, are you leaving too? And um, yes, and look at John 16. John 16. Verse 32, this is approaching the crucifixion, and what does the Lord say here? John 16, verse 32, Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. You will leave me alone. You are going to abandon me. And yet... And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Yeah, that's right. And he hastens to say in the next verse, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. He's not trying to, you know, ruin their day or something. You know, he's really trying to work for their peace. Go in the, on. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And let's go back to Matthew 26, where we actually see this kind of enacted in a way. This is before the crucifixion. We're jumping around in time. But 26, verse 36, on the eve of the crucifixion. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Stay here. Don't leave. What do they do? He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Mm. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's right. And it goes on again from there that they keep... They keep falling asleep. They just can't. They, they, they abandon it, you know, in several different ways. Like they fall asleep before it, and then when things actually push comes to shove, they all scatter and, and leave him and everything. You know, the Lord doesn't have an abandonment. It's not like he's a flight risk. Uh, it's, we're, we're the flight risk. Uh, we're the ones who, who leave. Um, okay. So those are the passages that I wanted to look at, as heartbreaking as they are. And let me ask you a final poignant question, if I may, good friends. If you picture a relate, you know, sometimes relationships between people are 
sort of uneven. Have you ever found that? In fact, I wonder if it's present in all relationships where there there's, there's can quite often be one person who cares more than the other person. You know what I mean? Just a little more, you know, it's just like it's a little more important to them or they're a little more engaged or something like that than the other person. If, if there's a separation between those two, who feels it more? Is it the person who has less heart or the person who has more heart? The more heart, the more you feel it, right? The more heart, the more you feel it, the more heartbreaking it is. Right? The more engaged, the, the, the more your heart's invested in something, the more painful it is. Do you know that Swedenborg says that after we die, he talks about this in Heaven and Hell, number 450, after we die, there are these beautiful angels come to us, the heavenly angels, so the highest angels come to us after we die. And they want to do everything possible for us. Uh, and they want to stay with us but we often don't want to be with them and we leave. Do they have more heart or do we have more? I think they have more heart, right? They're the highest angels. They're all about the heart. Is it more painful to them when we leave or, or to us? Who, who feels that more? Isn't it the angels who feel that more? And then Swedenborg says a lot of us go down to the next level and we get with those angels, and again, they just want to stay with us, but we get a little squirrely and itchy, and, and, and we just when we go down, we seek our own level. It's it's painful to them. They understand, I think, you know, but it says they never. We are always the ones who leave. They don't leave. Now, I hasten to say that our leaving doesn't necessarily mean we won't be back. People die at all different times in their lives, and uh, you know each person only dies once. But you know you can be all different ages, so you may not be ready for that yet. That may be exactly where you're headed, but you're not. It's, it's not like it's all over if you leave that first time. But I'm just saying, it hurts a little more to the one who has more heart. Uh, so the angels feel that uh, when we leave. Who has more heart? The Lord. Or the angels. The Lord has more heart. Infinite love. Infinite love. So who feels it more when we pull back? Do we feel it more? Or does the Lord feel it more? He's got more heart. Stands to reason. He feels it more. And I don't know about you, good friends. I, you know, for a living, I, I pull back, or you know, I'm all friendly, and then there's some bright, shiny object. Now, oh, what's that? You know, <laughs> I just am so quick to, to, to ditch everything, and then hours or days later, I remember, oh yeah, oh sorry, were we having a conversation? You know, <laughs> and uh, so just so bad at, at staying in the relationship. Uh, so, in closing. We truly hope, and we really, I think the, the, some of us feel this very deeply, we really don't want the Lord to abandon us. We say, don't leave. Please don't leave. And what we long to hear is, I'm not leaving. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord, who has even more heart than the astounding amount of heart that we have, 
He has an infinite, inexhaustible divine love. He desires even more to hear from us. I'm not leaving you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. If it's life, if it's death, whatever. I'm with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. That's what the Lord is longing to hear from us and what would make him so happy. Just saying. <laughs> Shall we close with a prayer, good friends? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we thank you for bowing the heavens and coming down into the world, taking on the flesh. We see the appearances that the word is written in, the appearance that you would walk by and just keep going, the appearance that you might forsake us or leave us or just be with us for a while and then leave later or leave in the short term and then come back or something. But you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are the ones who leave you and forsake you. We're sorry for doing that, Lord. And we want you to turn our hearts toward you. To say those words that you long to hear even more than we long to hear them. I'm not leaving. Our Father who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's keep on repenting, friends, and not abandon the Lord.